This is important information. Ready, set, and begin. Who better to talk about the MLS in the Twin Cities than the head coach of your hometown United? All incredible things to look forward to. Now, courtesy of Heineken, this is the Adrian Heath Show. Quintero with a Minnesota goal! Hosted by former player and now Loon sideline reporter Jamie Watson. Check this out. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the Adrian Heath Show presented by Heineken here on 1500 ESPN. I am your host, Jamie Watson, and we are back. Last week, we had a little bit of a hiatus. We did it a little bit differently. We had Steve McPherson from Minnesota United who does a wonderful job with the Sound of the Loons podcast that you can find right here on 1500 ESPN. Him and I did a podcast edition where we talked. We filled in our thoughts on things. Steve gave his view. You got a glimpse into what you can find each and every week when Steve does his podcast with play-by-play commentator Callum Williams. So that was a nice transition. It was a nice one-off. That's because the team was in D.C. United. Was in D.C. United. They were in Washington, D.C., set to play D.C. United. Uh And the man who took his team there, Adrian Heath, joins me in studio. Adrian, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thank you so much. Only just made it, didn't we? Yeah, we uh, we just uh, just got in. The uh, the new format. First, we got Mackie and Judd before us. Uh-huh. The change, which is nice to have because uh, we love seeing those guys. We were never crossing paths with them because they were obviously in the morning, but now they are just before us. So they are the, the microwave. They warm up the crowd. Oh, there you go. You're on 1500 for us now. No, it's uh, it's great. Big fan of those guys. We love the show. So it's nice following them up. Um, so we come in now in studio. We got a lot to break down this week. Okay. A lot happened since the last time we heard your voice on these airwaves. Mm-hmm. Two games. Yep. First off, the nation's capital. You head to D.C. Big game against D.C. United. First time seeing Audi Field. Which was better than we thought. Yeah, tell me about it. We'll start there. Let's start, first of all, your impressions of Audi Field, because this is the last stadium that will open before Allianz Field opens. So what were your thoughts and impressions, and what did you see that was similar? But then also, too, that you maybe were saying, yeah, I don't know if I'd do this with our stadium, or I'm glad Allianz Field has this, as opposed to what Audi Field has. I think, first things first, we've got to realize that anywhere... There's an upgrade on RFK. You know? So the bar was set very low with RFK. <laughs> exactly. DC is a, is an MLS original, and they always played at RFK Stadium, which was the oldest. And it was falling down. Quite I mean, you had rats yeah. in the stadium. The dressing I mean, rooms were terrible. and you know, Leaks the, whenever it would rain. It would exactly. Come through, yeah. If it was raining outside, you were getting it inside. You know, So it, was, <laughs> uh, it wasn't the greatest place to play. I know it's got some history, and which, which is great about old stadiums. But for DC, they needed this so badly. You know, like you say, it's a, it's a storied franchise. You know, they, they've got good people there. The likes of Ben Olsen and Dave Casper and them guys have been around for ages. So it, it was great for them to get a home now. I don't think it's a coincidence that their form's gone like through the roof since they've gone into that new stadium. Suddenly now with 15,000 in, it's packed and it, it feels like a great atmosphere. 15,000 in RFK barely looked like there was anybody in there. So it generates atmosphere. On the back of Wayne coming in, Wayne Rooney's come in and give everybody a lift and they've started, they've started to play really, really well. So we knew it was going to be tough, but I have to say, I thought we went in and got a goal ahead from Angelo Rodriguez, his first goal. And I thought we were comfortable for most of the evening. They had, t- they had moments, but not, nothing really. 
And um, in the end, I was disappointed that we didn't take anything from the game. You know, we go one up and and then we, we concede, I, which I thought were two sloppy goals again. So this is a, a question I wanted to ask you. First off, Angelo Rodriguez, mm-hmm. second ever DP for Minnesota United. He finally gets his first goal for the club. And you could see within the celebration, it was almost as if this proverbial weight was lifted off of his shoulders. My first question for you. First off, two-part question. One, do you remember your first ever professional goal? I know it was a while back. Do you remember it? No. You don't remember it at all? No, I don't think so. So so you remember some obscure fact about some band that we'll have coming back from a, a break, uh-huh. and you'll be able to tell me where you were, how long your hair was, how wide your bell bottoms were, but you can't tell me your first ever professional goal? No, I can't. I'm trying to think. Which this blows my mind. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. Well, I scored over 100 of them, so sometimes you forget. You always remember your first. <laughs> no. All right, we'll put it this way. Do you remember your first goal for for Everton? No. I can't, honestly. I mean, no, I all don't. right, well, you've totally ruined my two-part question here. Well, give so me, give me the second, the second part. part of it Go on. Go on. <laughs> was just how much does that do for a player scoring your first goal for a club? Oh, what I, does that mean well, for a player? For, for for a striker, you know what it's like when you go to a new club. You always want to make a, a really good impression. You want to go in there and show, you know, you've been justified, whatever they've paid for you. You know, you're the guy who's going to replace the guy. And I think for, for Angelo, it's, it's a weight off his shoulders. And the other thing is with that, we all know, you know, at some stage in your career, you can go six, you can go seven, eight games without scoring a goal. But then you get on this little run when you get one, and sometimes you don't care if it comes off your backside or it comes off your off your shoulder. You just want you just get, want the first one. Yeah, you just want the first one. So obviously we were disappointed because he got his first goal and then he picked up a, a little calf injury and we didn't think it was worth risking him in Salt Lake. So you know it's uh, hopefully for him this will be a start of a run. Get you know we go in bunches and that's what happens sometimes with goal scorers. You know you have this little purple, this little patches, little hot streak, and hopefully between now and the end of the season, you know, he can carry on and, and start to get some goals for us. And a good finish in the end. He's done well. The first shot initially blocked, but he stays with it. Yeah. You could tell he just he just put his foot through it and Yeah, it was, there wasn't too much finesse in it. It was just smash it past the keeper as quickly as you can. But he he will he'll feel a bit of relief for that because it does hang around your neck when you move to a new club when you haven't scored your first goal. Well, so then now you go. Your team goes down, or your team goes up one zero. Yeah. But then quickly the turnaround comes in the form of an equalizer. It's now one one. Mm-hmm. What did you kind of take from the game? Because it seemed almost for the first sixty five minutes of that game, the stadium was completely out of it. Yeah. I mean, it was completely well, dead well, because you had, you had taken them out of the game. Essentially, quieting the crowd down, and we we were starting to keep possession, and we started to look dangerous on the break. And then Segura gets that goal in the 60th minute. Which goes through somebody's legs, and I just didn't think we were strong enough in the defending. You know, I think it was Carter Manley was against him, and he's got to do better. He's got to be stronger. He's got to stop the guy from off-turning and getting a shot off. And these are only little things, but, you know, that how many goals you see these days go through people's legs? When he reaches and yeah, it, it kind of st- hits off the inside of his heel or the back of yeah. his heel and kind of makes its way to the corner a little bit. You can tell it kind of throws Bobby off a little bit from where, yeah. when it and leaves Segura's foot, where he thinks it's going to go. A few seconds later, we, we get uh, a ball, a homeless ball down the side, and then Carter with uh, 
uh, Ariola and he has a stumble over and then you know we we don't do well enough to stop the ball coming into the box we don't do well enough with, to pick the runners up so there were two poor goals and you know I feel like a broken record when I keep saying this when we do on the road because they're the type of things that we've been doing nearly all season so what do you say to your team after the game because I was outside of the locker room and you could kind of tell it wasn't uh, you weren't too pleased with your team. What did you have to say to the team? And then how do you get the team ready to go again so quickly? Just three nights later, cross country in Salt Lake. What do you say to the team there? Well, I think the most important thing is that, that there are ways to lose football games. You know, I, I can't guarantee. I you can never guarantee as a coach that you're going to win a game. That's you just you can't do it. What I can do, I, I think I can guarantee a performance. I can guarantee people doing the jobs, guarantee people playing the game the way it's supposed to be played from the first minute to the 90th minute. And on the road, we have had too many, um, we've had too many instances where we haven't been as competitive as we should be. And there's no other way around that. You know, and I, I don't try and shirk away from that. But as I've said on numerous occasions, is that down to, uh, the system, is it down to, I don't think it is. I think it's down to personnel. And if we have to change the personnel moving forward to get out of this, because we can't, we can't carry on with this. We've we spoke about it nearly all season now. You know, we're moving into a brand new stadium next year. I know we're going to be competitive at home. What we've got to do, if, if we had anything like an away record this year, we'd be thick in the thick of this um, playoff road, uh, push because our home record is in the top five or six in the league, I think. Yeah, so you then you talk about personnel within that. This is the last one to kind of recap the D.C. United game. Um, Fernando Bob mm. makes his debut for the club. 77 minutes, he plays next to Maximiano in the midfield. What were your What was your takeaway from Fernando Bob in his debut? Firstly, I thought that both of them gave us a great honey shift. You know, they 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 worked so hard because the, the pair of them haven't played any football really for a long time. So, you know, no matter what we do with them on a, to a Monday to a Friday, getting them in that, you know, that peak condition for game ready is very, very difficult. So I thought they were terrific. Um, I'm really impressed with Fernando's positioning on the field, the, the screening of the of the back four, stopping that little ball going into Rooney and people like Acosta. I thought we did a good job of that because that's where they've been very good, as they proved this weekend when they did got the result against the, the Red Bulls. So I thought we did a really good job of that. And I think the other thing with Fernando, he has a, a really good range of passing. He's starting now to open the game up for us, and whether it be width-wise or whether it be length-wise, he's starting to open the game now. And I think that will bode well moving forward. I'm going to throw one date at you, and you tell me if this sounds familiar. Go on. October 27th, 1979. Stoke versus Derby County at home in front of 18,530 people. It's the 35th, 31st minute of the game. Do you remember that moment that I'm talking about now? No. I can't remember it, honestly. According to Wikipedia, yeah, that is the moment you scored your first goal. Really? Well, it must not have been a big weight lifted off your shoulder because you don't even remember it. So No. That is, that is I, I still can't get past that. Yeah. We talk, I'll be counting. You, you, had, you just have my mind in a 
absolute pretzel right now. You don't remember your first ever professional goal. I've got plenty going on in my head at this minute to think, <laughs> that, to think that far back. You know, we got these games coming up. We've got transfer windows around the corner. I've got a lot going on in here at the minute. You had to push out some old memories. Huh? The, the, last thing, the last thing on my mind is what happened 25 years ago, 30-odd years ago, whatever <laughs> it is. All right, well, hopefully you still have in mind the Real Salt Lake game from just a couple of nights ago. When we come back from break, we're going to break down Minnesota United playing against Real Salt Lake just a couple of nights later after the DC United game. We just spoke about stick around. Still plenty more to come on this action packed filled episode of the Adrian Heath show. Adrian Heath's with me. Manny Hills in the booth. I'm Jamie Watson. This is the Adrian Heath show presented by Heineken right here on 1500 ESPN. We now continue with more of the Adrian Heath show on 1500 ESPN presented by Heineken. Welcome back to the Adrian Heath show on 1500 ESPN. Adrian, we did a lot last segment talking about DC United, mm-hmm. breaking that game down. We had a busy, busy week in the world of Minnesota United. So let's quickly jump back into it. Let's talk about Real Salt Lake. Yep. So you you make the travel. Your team didn't actually come back to the Twin mm-hmm. Cities. You went straight from DC to Salt Lake. Yeah, left on Thursday morning. Uh, What's got, the thinking behind that? Just so, just in case people are wondering, why do you not come back for 24 hours? Why do you go straight from one to the other? I just think it's in terms of preparation, it's the best thing you can do. You can actually get in the hotel, you can get a little bit of work done, get the lads rested up, get the mind and the focus on the next game. Because at the end of the day, another extra flight back here to go again, it, it, it doesn't make sense. But it, it's the right thing to do. And I think the players preferred it that way. You know, and it, when you've got them two games in such close proximity i think the 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 rehydration and the the the, the, the getting getting ready you know as soon as possible after the game is so important to get your your mind and get the you know the regeneration of the body sorted as soon as you can so the sooner you get into the hotel and you can start to do all that thing i think the better it is we didn't talk about this last segment your team in dc was without four important pieces to the puzzle mm-hmm. uh, francisco calvo michael boxel uh, both out with yellow card suspension. Rasmus Schuller, Romario Barra, both away on international duty. Those four players were able to return yeah. and join you in Salt Lake. So you get uh, a strengthened squad. Although on the back end of that, you lost Jerry Thiessen and you lost Angelo Rodriguez in yeah. D.C. So you're playing lineup shuffle here. You're <laughs> yeah. mixing and matching it and making adjustments with your staff um, during that that flight that's yeah. over from DC to Salt Lake, and in the one extra day you have preparation there uh, in Salt Lake, so you you make some changes to the lineup. Yeah. You roll out the team in Salt Lake that has Wyatt Omsberg, rookie, going again with Brent Coleman next to him, uh-huh. Francisco Calvo on the left, Michael Boxel out to the to the right, um, and you kept the pairing of Fernando Bob and Maximiano. Yep, Romario Abara comes in on one side, Miguel Abara on the other. The bar eye. Mm. We got our glimpse of them in the starting lineup together with um, Darwin and Abu up top. Yep. Now, you make these changes. What do you think that did? What was the mindset behind all those changes? And what did you see that was different? Because essentially that's four center backs yep. where you push them a little bit out wide. What was kind of the, the thought process in that lineup? Well, firstly, we thought that Wyatt had done well. Him and Brent Coleman. Had done I thought well. he was fantastic, by the way, in DC. Well, they, they, Wayne Rooney, exactly. Acosta, they, and yeah, they 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 marshaled them two really really well on the on the whole. 
So coming back into the game, you then you're thinking, what are we going to do with the back four? Do we leave them out? But one thing that we, we do know is that Francisco Calvo has played left back. Michael Boxall has played right back. So we just thought we'd go with that. It gave us a little bit more solidity, a little bit more physical presence in both boxes because we thought we were going to come under a lot of pressure. You know, these, A lot these, of height. These, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in both boxes, for and against set pieces, we should be okay. This was a team that scored uh, 14 goals in three games. The last two games, they scored six in, in both of them. So, Which I think it was the first time in MLS history that it ever happened. So, so you were we, catching a team that was on fire. Well, that's one of the things that we spoke about going into this, this two-game little road trip because we were probably playing the two informed teams of the East and the West Conference. Oh, easily. And, easily uh, two of the hottest teams. So we knew it was going to be tough, but I thought that we, even in the first off, when I wasn't best pleased, as you know, I thought we handled them quite well. They had a lot of possession, but I can only they had the shot that at the post. But apart from the goal, Bobby didn't have a save to make. So we 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 we'd done enough to sort of stifle them and not let them get ahead of steam up, which we thought was going to be important. And you know, so I thought Calvo did really well against Savarino and Boxy. I almost did well. forgot Savarino played. Till exactly. you just said that he was literally a non-factor. And and Boxy did well against Platter. So, you know, it, it sort of justified the selection a little bit. And then second off, to be honest with you, I was really disappointed that we didn't win the game. Yeah, well, let's talk about the, the change because I, I said this to you at halftime. Um, what did you make of the first half or what did you see from the first half? And I think your exact words were, not a lot. Yeah. And then you went on to say how you laid into him at halftime. Yeah. So I've been in that room. Yeah. I've been on the end <laughs> of, a, of a yelling or two uh, in my day. I know what gets said, but take us into the locker room at halftime. Your team's down 1-0. What do you say to the guys? What's your thought process and why you're saying what you say to the guys? Well, obviously, you look at the game and you think, I'm thinking that we were too passive all over the field. I thought that we we were comfortable enough just to let it to be 0-0, 1-0. That's not bad. And I, I want more out of the team. You know, you know what it's like. I, I said it earlier on. There are ways that you can lose football games. There are ways of losing games because we, as I say, we can never guarantee that we're going to win a game. What I should be able to guarantee is that I'm going to get drive, commitment, enthusiasm, and not this passive, just get behind the ball. And it's, it's part of football that I hate. I, I hate that more than anything. I would rather us turn the ball over and make mistakes, but trying to be progressive and trying to, trying to do things and take the game to the opposition. So we, we, we spoke about it. I, I spoke to you about it after the game about I'm fed up of seeing people who can run really fast, want to keep coming towards the ball. Yeah. Run away from the ball. Turn defenders round. Turn, defenders don't, defenders want you to be going towards your own goal or game, passing it off, one touch, two touch. What they don't want is Romaru Ibarra running as fast as he can in behind them and then we play the ball over, over the top. Suddenly we start to do that and suddenly then we start to take, the game starts to change. We then suddenly start to control the tempo and create the chances that eventually we got one and we could have got two. Actually, Romaru Ibarra had two wonderful chances. Yeah. A couple of great through balls. I think Francisco Calvo had yeah. a couple of really good passes uh, that put players in. Um, two big opportunities. But then your team comes to life in the second half, starts to get more and more opportunities going forward. 84th minute, Miguel Ibarra gets in a great little space right on the line. Darwin Quintero finds him. Yep. He's got the presence of mind in the 84th minute. Nick Romando, who's got 20-some-odd caps with the national team, I think 480 games played now in MLS. 
little chip up and over him yeah, to make great, it 1-1. One, one. Great little finish. Great ball from Darwin. Another one, you know, scoring and making goals. Yeah, I mean, I think that's 10 That's ten and 10 for Darwin this season. Yeah. Miguel's on 7-7. Seven and seven. Yeah. That's a really good contribution. But Miguel, his ability to run, mm-hmm. his ability to continue to run on. Well, if I said to you, you, having played with Miguel Ibarra, what are his strengths? What would you say? Oh, the guy's got a third lung. Yeah. Never gets tired. Yeah. He can run. And he's fast. Okay. And he's he's got an ability to score some goals, as you've seen this season. So do we do we need Miguel Ibarra in our off of the field or the opponents off of the field? I'd like to think he's probably doing some damage in the opponents' half. Exactly. And one of the things that we've spoke about before the season started with Miggy was, hey, let's start getting some goals now. Start getting in the box because he can. It's not like he he can get in there and he can't get back. Right. You so know. some players who can't do that don't go exactly. don't go forward because they don't want to get I caught get up. That, Jay. But with, with these, with Miggy, he should be in the box every time the ball comes in from either the left or the right-hand side because he has the ability to get back in the hole, as we call it, in that right-hand side, in front of the back uh, the back four, in front of the right-back, because he can do that. Great ball from Darwin. But the reason them holes start to open up is because we started to stretch the game. Suddenly, RSL don't want to be on the halfway line. Suddenly, they're defending the back four 25 yards in there off the field. Now Darwin can start to get on the on the ball because now the game is getting stretched. I don't think it's a coincidence that the minute we started to turn them round, we started to get more out of Darwin. You're hearing Adrian Heath talk about the team's 1-1 result against RSL this weekend here on the Adrian Heath Show presented by Heineken. All right, let's get to the moment, Adrian. It's 1-1. Mm-hmm. Miguel Labara gets in behind. Darwin Quintero, to start the play, pressures Nick Romando. Long ball out. Brent Coleman wins the header. Maximiano looks like he's going to head the ball. Looks like he may have gotten a touch on it. May not have gotten a touch on it. Are you positive? After watching it... How many times? A dozen. Yeah. So is that clear Slowing it down. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. It certainly wasn't uh, clearly obvious in the moment. Took yeah. a few angles. Yeah. Ball comes into Darwin Quintero. Great little, I mean, just inventive ball yeah. over the top. Miguel... Could not hit a soccer ball harder than he did. Bangs it past Nick Romano. Looks like your team goes up 2-1. Moments later, Chris Penso is talking with, uh, I believe, Felicia Mariscal, who's the uh, lineswoman for the game. John Freeman's in the booth as the video assistant referee. It takes about four to five minutes in real time. Why is that? Well, Why do you think it takes four to five minutes? Well, let's dive into it. Let's talk about it then. So let's, let's talk. You... You are on the sideline. Uh-huh. I know what I'm being told. I know You know that, what I was being told as well. Which what, both of it was not much. No, but Ali Alejandro... The, Alejandro Mariscal was the fourth official. He says to us that if Maximiliano, if he edited the ball, Darwin was onside. If he didn't, because it came from Brent then, Darwin was off, uh, offside. So that's what you're being told. So but it's either offside or onside... And it, it's, Depending it's a, on the touch. And it depends whether the ball is it. Um, That's what you're being told. Yeah. Okay. So, so I've I've watched it 15 times since we got back home. I still don't know whether Maxi touched the ball or not. See, that's funny because what you were told was that we were told initially via the channel that goes from the refs to the the match officials into the TV truck and back. We were told that there was potentially a foul on the play. So you're being told that. We're being told that there was a foul. Yeah. Which there definitely was not. 
We're looking for a clear and obvious error, so, which is the, the two key words that we've been told by the officials. That's what will be and from reviewed. from the league, and from, you know, that was the directive we've got. If it's clear and obvious, That's what video review yeah. is. It's not to do, did a throw and get right. There's there's four things that they're reviewing. It's goals, it's red cards, it's mistaken identity, and offside. Yeah. Well, offside falls into the category. Yeah. So now... With the camera angles they have, they're trying to piece together from two to three different angles if Darwin is offside. I'll ask you this question since we're in the subject and we're talking yep. about it. Where is it, in your mind, okay to take four to five to six minutes, or should this thing be just a snap? You know right away, hey, look, here's one angle. We found it. It's this is clearly wrong. This is clearly obvious because let's say what happens if you're starting to break down on every goal? Is there a foul? Well, I said to you, if you wanted to watch a corner, a goal that was scored from a corner kick, I guarantee you, you can find a foul. I guarantee you. So, so you, so if you wanted to stop and watch it go back and forth ten different times, you could probably find something. And, and but the, the the question is, Jay, and this is what everybody got told: is it clear and obvious? If you have to take 15, 20 goals at looking at it and then call the, 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 the linesman over to you for another opinion, then you're speaking to somebody upstairs for their opinion. Is that clear and obvious? It sounds as clear as mud to me. <laughs> and I get what you're saying. I can see where, where the frustration comes in. Ultimately, finally, after a long, long time, there was a, a grainy frozen frame of what it looked to be, looked to appear to be Darwin Quintero being about a half yard offside. So I'll give referee Chris Penso and his team the credit to to find that. But I just I just wonder, and and I don't think that you and I are going to sit here tonight on a Tuesday night at you know six thirty p.m. and figure this out. You know what the exact answer is and and how we need to go about fixing the system. But if you're going to go back and examine, and it takes that long, mm-hmm. are we getting to a point where? there needs to be a time limit where you're saying, look, if we have to look at it a dozen times, ultimately they do get it right, I feel. It's close. It's very, very close. But like you said, is it getting right. to the point where... Here's a question for you. You, you don't would, need to look at it 20 we times. Watch, we watch all the games on ESPN or whatever the station we watch the games on. They put that line across the field on where, which shows where the last man is. Can they not do that? And then it saves all this. I think so. I'm not sure. Are you, are you definite? Well, I'm not sure if he's onside, offside. Because we had one earlier on the first half where Abu's onside. So here's the one thing I will say, going back to that moment, the credit to Felicia Mariscal on that play, she kept her flag down to let the play go, and then there's a goal from it. Now you can go back and review it. But in the first half, I believe it was CJ Morgante. I may be saying that wrong. He was the near side. Uh, assistant referee. But that was right in front of us, and I thought it, it, the worst he was level. And so Fernando Ball plays outside the left football yeah. to Abu. One on and one Abu's on a breakaway. Yeah. He raises his flag. Now, guess what? Now you can't exactly. get the opportunity to go score. So if you're wrong, well, the play's dead. Well, There's we, no option. But if he goes through and scores, you get to now review it and see if it's offside or not. And that's where I think. Credit is to Felicia, but then also to CJ, where you start to go, wait a minute. So he's one for you. So he flags there on a real dubious one. He wasn't certain. But then when they are offside, they let him go all the way to the ball. The ball goes there, and then they flag. You know, you can't do it both ways. It's a bit, uh, look, 
this is the part where I think you're getting the kinks out of the system with with VAR. Mm-hmm. Slightly over a year into this now, I think that you you started to see how it does work. But I also think that there is some need to clarify. It's I'm, funny to say that you're clarifying the words clear and obvious. More importantly as well for you guys, it must be difficult when you are trying to analyze, you're trying to explain to the viewers what's going on when you don't know what's happening. Right. I, I, we don't know what's happening on the sideline. Oh, we sounded like complete idiots because we were being told the wrong not, thing. Not the first time, though. Well, that's, that's every <laughs> Saturday night on Fox Sports North. <laughs> All right, well, here's what we're going to do, Adrian. Uh, a good discussion there. We'll, we'll come back because there was actually um, a play today in the Champions League. I think I think we, what we need to do, we need to get our good friend, Ed Howard Webb, who's in charge of the referees. Ooh. Let's try and get him on the you show. Think, you think we could get him to call in? Uh, yeah, I think I'll, I'll give him a ring and see if we can... Maybe get some of the, the listeners put some, one or two questions together. For I would love to do that. I've met and Howard a, a couple guy. times. I have to say, he's fantastic a really good guy. guy, and I think he's I think he's changed the landscape for referees and and the pro the the professional referees organization. I think he's done an incredible job with them. I think that organization has done a wonderful job. Obviously, moments like this where we leave us some some controversy and some talking points, but without that. We don't have a show. Yep. So okay. there we go. Uh, stick around. Adrian, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Champions League. We're going to talk yep. a little bit about MLS. We're going to go to English Premier League. We're going to get some games in, in uh, this week's Pick'ems. we got plenty more to come. That was a great segment. Thank you for the discussion, Adrian. Adrian's here with me. Manny Hill's in the booth. I'm Jamie Watson. This is the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN. This is the Adrian Heath Show, presented by Heineken on 1500 ESPN. Welcome back to the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN, presented by Heineken. Adrian, great discussion last two segments about DC United, about Real Salt Lake, about video review. But now, let's switch over to world football. Big, big day in Champions League. Match day one of the group stage. Always important. Always important. Some big, big results today. Some great games. Some very entertaining games. Uh-huh. Uh what do you think of today's game? We'll run through some of the quick scores. Barcelona 4-0 over PSV. Um, I guess I should say spoiler alert if you have these games DVR'd. Um, if not, my bad. Uh, Internacional beats Tottenham 2-1 on a late, late winner. Monaco drops a result to Atletico Madrid 2-1. Dortmund beats Club Bruges 2-1. The American. Who scored? The American. The American hope. Yeah. Kristen Pulisic with an 85th minute fluky winner. We'll take it. They all count the same. Galatasaray beats Lokomotiv Moscow 3-0. Red Star Belgrade and Napoli with your Napfest game. Prime time for a nap. 0-0 result there. Schalke and Porto 1-0. Aston Villa. Oh, no. Sorry. That's the wrong one. I'm going through the wrong one. Last it's, one. Liverpool. You only said that Aston because, Villa. Of, because of Keller. <laughs> You, you're having to go, Cal. I swear to you, Cal. I know you're listening. I promise you that Aston wasn't... Aston Villa Champions League? <laughs> that really? Was, that was the English League. That The results just below that. They had a big matchup, though, that they won over Rotherham United. Yeah. That could be a, 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 a Champions Villa, League. It's a little bit different than Villa against Atletico Madrid or the, whoever. The final one was the highlight of the day. Liverpool 3-2 over Paris Saint-Germain with Firmino getting a stoppage time winner. 3-2. Big win for Liverpool. Yeah, and I think... Your takeaway from the day, Adrian. Uh, well, I watched both games. I managed to get the Spurs game on and then watched the, the Liverpool game. Obviously, big disappointment for Tottenham because they've not had a, the, you know, the best of couple of weeks with the two defeats Third in the Third loss league. in the row for the first time under Pochettino. Yeah, and um, 
I know Maurizio quite well. I know what he'll be feeling tonight because they actually did well today and they, they should have won the game. They conceded in, I think it was 80, 86 and 92 or something like that. Yeah, I mean. So, and they dominated the game for large periods and they did went ahead with a Christian Eriksen goal. So that'll be disappointing for them, but I still expect them to get out of the group. But the other game was a great game. Liverpool, it much as it pains me to say, with my Everton hat on, you know, the great atmosphere in the stadium. They go 2-0 up. And then there's little bits of quality from PSG, as you would expect, with, you know, the, a front three of Neymar and Bappi and Cavani. You know, they're pretty good at soccer. Yeah, they're not bad. And, uh, but then Robbie Firmino comes on and, and gets a, a, a fabulous goal. Typical, you know, goes to shoot, drags it back and puts it across the keeper. So a big win for Liverpool. First game's always really important because now the pressure really on for the people who've not won the first game because if you lose the first two games... You ain't got any room for error after that in, in the four-team uh, group stage. No, you're right. A huge, huge result. Uh, big game getting getting a start, start off for Liverpool. A big win. Um, instead of dropping the three, you t- or instead of dropping to just two points, you get all three points. That's huge. Yeah, and you got, you've got to mention Messi coming up with another hat trick. Oh, gosh, you know. I mean, the free kick. Um, Are you kidding me? At one stage, it looks like it's five, six feet over the top of the crossbar, and then it comes down, and he hasn't blasted it. It's all about pace and the direction, and it's uh, it's just another another sample of what an incredible player he is. You know, I, I it's strange because somebody was talking about um, Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, and who's the best, and then and they start to throw Mbappe and Neymar. At this moment in time, them two have been out on their own. Yeah. You know, the the, the others might be the, the next incumbents to the throne, but at this moment in time, I, I don't think anybody is as good as them two guys. No, the, I think that it's it's 1A, 1B. You can make an argument for... Either way. Yeah, and, and you could, you, you'd you understand the other side of it as well. And, and somebody said the other day, it's a waste of money, Juventus, Ronaldo, and then he gets to it the weekend. I'm I'm betting he'll be up there twenty five thirty again. Well, I'll whatever. even I'll even go back on the other side and say uh, Juventus is a is a publicly traded company. Their stock, even when the reports mm-hmm. came out, I think there was like a three day window from when the first report came out of Ronaldo going to Juventus that the stock market in Italy completely shifted and the stock of Juventus shot up by six percent just on the rumors and they had to issue a statement, mm-hmm. basically the equivalent of whatever the the SEC is that we have here in the U.S. Force Juventus to say at the moment in time it's only rumors, you know, because that's almost they sold a million shirts, something. something. Oh yeah, they sold uh, five hundred thousand shirts in the first day, I think. Yeah, half a million shirts. And how much are them now these days? Oh, they're I mean fifty, sixty bucks, hundred bucks. I don't, Adrian. It's been a while since you bought a shirt. Mm. Those shirts are. I don't think you get anything less than ninety, hundred dollars. Okay, so there you go. So that's that. And then also, I think we all read that. Real Madrid lost a couple of million people on social media. I mean, there's quite a bit of a uh, yeah. And then you have, then then you sell your advertisements and based on yeah. the reach you have and all that. Yeah. So I mean, there's a whole business side to it. There's a whole soccer side to it. That's for another day, I think. Yeah, yeah. If we could, uh, but that's that shows the way the game has gone now. If we could break all that down and be the business side of it and have the soccer mind. Look, you've already pushed out your memories of of your first goal. Let's not have you push out any tactics. You got you're good on that. You Let's not worry your about first business. Goal? I do remember my first goal. Go on then. Uh, it was on my dad's birthday. Okay. So we were playing LA Galaxy at home and Real Salt Lake. It was a it was a record breaking goal. 
What was the first time that Salt Lake had beat anybody? It was the first time Salt Lake had scored. <laughs> the record was not a good one. We had just set the record in MLS for the longest time without scoring a goal. All of the fans, it was in the 19th minute that we set the record, and all the fans at Rice Eccle Stadium that season um, put paper bags over their head, and they threw black streamers onto the field at the 19th minute when we set the record. Mm. I was furious. Sure. And it was good that they had... They had uh, they'd clean that up because my celebration was going to be pick those black streamers up and throw it back at them. I was fuming that they celebrated that way. I got the first goal. Our, our good friend, Andy Williams out in Salt Lake played a cross in. And, um, I think I spent about maybe two to three minutes celebrating yeah, running I, around. I, why am waving. I not, why am I not surprised with that? Shirt up. Yeah, <laughs> High fiving over here. Yeah. Thank you. No, thank you. Oh, thank you for being here. You know, it was a great moment. So, yeah. I guess I haven't had enough memories to push out that there one just go. yet, but uh, <laughs> that was that was my goal. Um, thank you for asking. That's I don't get yeah. to tell that story very often. It was just the other day, June twenty second of two thousand and five, and just being there. Not that you remember it. Some good off memories. Jeez, oh, I wasn't prepared. The, the, the I wasn't nine, ready for this. The nineteenth minute, nineteen thirty four. Oh man. Well, we got uh, we got one final segment coming up, Adrian. When yep. we come back, I want to talk to you about the newly dubbed Campiones Cup. That Toronto FC will take on T-Cress. A little bit of MLS versus Liga MX. Champions versus champions. Yeah, We've got to preview Portland. And then we've got to do what we always do at the end of the show. We've got to rate Cal's call. So you got one more segment in you? Yeah, I think so. Fantastic. Stick around. We've got one more segment to come. He's Adrian Heath. Manny Hill's in the booth. I'm your host, Jamie Watson. This is the Adrian Heath Show presented by Heineken right here on 1500 ESPN. We now continue with more of the Adrian Heath Show on 1500 ESPN. Presented by Heineken. Here we go. We're down to the home stretch tonight on the Adrian Heath Show. One final segment. Still tons and tons of stuff to cover. So, Adrian, let's dive right into it. We talked Champions League last segment. Great discussion on that. Uh, But now let's switch gears. Let's get... Back to the domestic, uh-huh. to North America. The newly titled Campiones Cup. Campiones. Campiones. Yeah. That is a uh, that is a newly newly formed competition, which will then take place between the winner of MLS and the winners of Liga MX. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, what do you think of it? Is this something that you see working out? Do you see the teams oh, taking it seriously? I do, yeah. And because obviously, I think if you'd have probably put this on the agenda five or six years ago, people in Mexico would have thought, well, what are we doing that for? We know we're going to win. You don't know who's going to win this game tomorrow night. That's how close it's got now. You know, the teams, you know, yeah, Toronto went all the way to the. It took uh, Monterey to penalties. Yeah. Was it Monterey that they beat? Yeah. No, Cruz, was it. Who they play in the final of um, Chivas? Chivas, that's right. Yeah, at so, uh, Stadio Ateca, that's right. So you know, I think that the you know the MLS has got so much closer and so much more competitive now that this will be a really big game. I'm really looking forward to it because they played each other earlier in the year and they got a result against Tigres in the Champions League. So I think it's I think it's here to stay. I really do, and I think it will sort of pick up some gravitas as it goes on. And in the next few years, you will see this become one of the big games of the calendar. You can find that tomorrow night, eight fifteen p.m. Eastern time on ESPN two, so seven fifteen um, Central. And you actually threw out an idea to me the other day when we were talking about this. You said that 
you thought something like this could have been done at a different point in the season in a different way. And maybe there's still room for this idea? Well, I, I, you know, we have the All-Star game, don't we? Yeah. Every year. Now, when we get Juventus or Bayern Munich or Liverpool or Man United or Real Madrid coming over to play, it was always a big deal. And I get that. It's an opportunity for people in America to see these great clubs. But since the International Cup that, that they do every preseason, you know, their newness is wore off that a little bit. Yeah, the people, International Champions Cup. Exactly. You know, like if you could have seen... Man United or Chelsea or Real Madrid for the last three, four, five years playing here. Yeah, different parts so of the country. Somebody mentioned maybe do the All Star game where you have the best players out of MLS playing the best players out of Liga MX. I think that would be a really good format. And I think it would be. Hey, I know for a fact, but you know what the Mexican people are like with the, with this football. Oh, very proud. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Mexicans know. are about their football. They are the best, best in North America. Yeah. No way that Americans could be better. So it'd be interesting think, to see. Yeah, I, I think that would be a really good format, and I think it would take a little bit of the pressure off of who's coming in for the All Star game this year. Yeah. And I, 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 that's something I think we should look at. Well, wow, that's a good idea. Well, let's uh, let's switch gears. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to uh, to your club play. Next time we see you guys out on the field will be this Saturday night back home at TCF Bank Stadium for the first time in, I believe, 49 days. Mm, be nice to get back home, yeah. Yeah, hopefully you can remember how to get down to the locker room and yeah. where to go from there, how to make it to the field, because it's been so long. Yep. Uh, you welcome in the Portland Timbers. Uh, last time these two teams met at TCF Bank Stadium, June 21st of last season, 2017, 3-2 result, Minnesota United beat Portland. Uh, you welcome them back. Yep. It's a big game. Portland doing really well in the season. They're sitting currently in sixth place, which is they've had an up and down season. But for them, this is a very, very, very important game, as it is for your team as well. Yeah, I think Portland have still got, you know, they've had, they had a bad result at the weekend. They got beat four down in Houston. And I, you know, in Gio, you'll probably get after him. So they'll come in with a probably different mindset than they did it in Houston. Um, also, they're not they're not completely certain of pinching a playoff place. No, and when you consider, only sitting four points clear of, of Vancouver. And when you consider they are probably got the second highest wage bill, I think they have in the league. Um, Valeri Blanco, our good old friend Lawrence Olam. Yeah, well, they keep trying to get rid of low, and every, it keeps keeps doing of, well. Yeah, keeps bouncing back. And uh, obviously, I think it's going to be a difficult game for us. But one we're capable of winning. We we can beat anybody at home, and I know that the, the lads are looking forward to being back at the the stadium, get the crowd behind us, and hopefully put a really good performance on. Well, I hope so too. Hopefully, you join us Saturday night TCF Bank Stadium as Minnesota United takes on Portland Timbers. You can find that game on Fox Sports North or listen to right here on fifteen hundred. Dan Terhar and Brian Pyatt will have coverage for you of that. Uh, quickly, we have two order of business left to do. First and foremost, we have our English Premier League pickums. Okay, we've got to we've got to go through this. We didn't have any games to to go over since it was two weeks. Uh, we didn't make any p- predictions on last week plus the international break, but we're back this week. Adrian, Crystal Palace plays host to Newcastle. Who you got? Palace. Palace with the win. I'm actually going to go for a tie. Really? Yeah. That won't please Mr. Grossman. No, it won't. I'm sorry for that. And but, Fulham uh, will be delighted. Newcastle getting a point on the road. Exactly. Here's a big one. Arsenal plays host to Everton. Um, bah, 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 bah. Arsenal. Yeah, I just wrote down Arsenal as well, and I was thinking you were going to go for a tie. You know faith in your Everton boys at the moment. Not with the team that they've got out at the moment. The Ful- ideal if we could get some forwards on the field. <laughs> Fulham, versus, uh, Fulham will play host to Watford. Fulham. Fulham? I'm going to go for a tie. Yeah. I think we're going to have some movement on this. Uh, West Ham 
Please host to Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah, I got Chelsea as well. Although, you know, they got a big win, West Ham. A lot of confidence now. Here's another one. Burnley plays host to Bournemouth for a fifth and final game. I'm going to go for a home win. Ooh, Burnley. Your former team. There Mm -hmm. we go. I've got a tie for that one. Yeah, it's going to be tight, but Burnley have got to... Got to get some points on the board. It's pretty sharpish. You also have to put some points on the board. Sit at eight and twelve. I'm at fourteen and six. Okay. We won't go. We'll All just right. move right on from that. The fact Let, I'm winning. Let's see where we are at the end. Hey, but silver medal is great, though. That's really nice. Yeah. Participation. <laughs> Gold medal is looking yeah. a little bit nice though for me at the moment. But that's fine. We'll move right yeah. into it. Last order of business for the night. We had a first for Angelo Rodriguez. Yep. A first goal. We talked about some first goals tonight. Yeah. You didn't really remember yours. I didn't remember mine very well either. No, of course not. Angelo surely won't forget his first goal for Minnesota United. A guy who scored a ton in his career. But first for the club, it's always an important one, always a big one. So what we do, the end of every show, we have Callum Williams, play-by-play commentator for Minnesota United. He gives a goal called during the game, and then we break it down. Tuesday night's right here, last bit of the show, last couple of minutes. The segment we call Rate Cal's Call. So for this week... We're going to go back to D.C. United. Last Wednesday, 0-0 game. Angelo Rodriguez scores in the 47th minute to make it 1-0. Adrian Heath, it is time for you to rate Cal's call. Quintero ends awards. Angelo Rodriguez. Still Rodriguez who scores. And finally, five games in. Angelo Rodriguez scores for Minnesota. His loon legacy yeah. starts here. No mention of Columbia, though. I thought that might have got a mention. There's, he could have gone a couple different ways, but yeah. I think in the moment, I mean, his loon legacy, I, I like it Did because you? I think he's going to have a legacy here. Okay. I'm going to go seven. A seven, a hard seven? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought there might have been something to do with Quintero, you know, the little the Colombians oh, together. Oh, the Colombian connection. Yeah. Ooh. That's a good shout. Yeah. Cal, I know you don't plan these, and it's right, it just rolls off the tip of the tongue, but I just wonder, now maybe, is it going to be in the back of his mind, having well, heard you just say well, the Colombian uh, hey, connection? Especially the old one, too, you know. Two, Ooh. two Colombians there, Darwin on to uh, Angelo. And if, if that ever happens and we break it down and then we rate that call, I'm just wondering, will you be able to remain unbiased if you know that you had something to do with that? Of course, you know that. <laughs> never, never would there be a bias, anything in your favor ever, would there? No, exactly, you know. Hey, look, Adrian, it's been another wonderful episode. Thank you so much for being in here with us. Uh, next week, a little bit of housekeeping. We're taking the show on the road. Okay, where we're, are we? We're going to O'Donovan's. O'Donovan's, 3415 uh, University Avenue, we are going to be at O'Donovan's uh, downtown. Wait, that's not right. 3415, that's not the right address. I just said the wrong address. Okay. That's the oh. address to uh, Hubbard Broadcast. Yep, actually, that's, uh, that's actually that's where we are right now. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Google was telling me. Google Maps was saying, you're right here. As soon as I said that, I was like, wait a minute. I don't know if that's right. I have been to O'Donovan's, though. It's a great It's a great. That's spot. the one right on the corner by Target Field, correct? I believe so, yes. So we did that one last year right across from First Avenue, O'Donovan's. You walked in about 30 seconds before the show started. you remember that? Well, because the Twins were playing. Nobody that's, told me. It was absolutely packed that night. We almost didn't have an Adrian Heath show. It was almost me, myself, and I for an hour. So thank yeah. goodness that didn't happen. It'll be good to see everybody next week. Don't come here next week. Go to O'Donovan's. You'll be able to catch us there. 
Uh, Adrian, my big thanks to you. Thanks as always. Pleasure. Manny Hill in the booth, as always, producer extraordinaire. This show would fall apart without you. We are so grateful. Wonderful job as always, man. Thank you, sir. All right. And I'm your host, Jamie Watson. This was another episode of The Adrian Heath Show, presented by Heineken, right here on 1500 ESPN. You've been listening to The Adrian Heath Show, hosted by Jamie Watson, presented by Heineken. For Minnesota United game and broadcast information, be sure to visit 1500ESPN.com and click on the United tab in the sports wire. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, Ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.